This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Week 12. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. This is our flagship show. It's called Stats vs. Film. You know what we do by now. We take all of the film, all the tape that happened from this past weekend, along with the analytics, the metrics, the spreadsheets, whatever you want to say and hear from this nerd. We put them together with hopefully find the answer in the middle to help your fantasy team hit this home stretch of the regular season and then into and win your fantasy football championships. Hayden, a bit of a different show this week because as the people know, hopefully by now, we will have no tiers and rankings throughout the week. So we will be individually talking about the teams and the matchups on Thanksgiving's three games late. It's going to be a chaos show. It's different because I have no mullet. I look like I actually am a professional, uh, which I am not. Uh, but yeah, we have the games to talk through. Then we have Friday's show. That'll be kind of a yes. live q and I'm going to do rankings, but not as many notes. I'm cooking a Thanksgiving turkey for the first time, so I'm busy doing real-life stuff. What could go wrong? I mean, once you hit 29, Hayden, that is the okay. year where you have to start, you know, putting some compound butter underneath the skin of the turkey. Yeah, and That's what I'm know, doing. Stuffing the dress, you know. Let me know. You have my number. Just mm-hmm. hit me up if you need a little bit of help. And what can go wrong? What could go wrong? I, I need to see the photo. I need to see the photo afterwards, for sure. Okay, before we get into those three games... We are going to kick it off with a few news and notes for headliner teams. And we'll start off with Calvin Ridley. We've been waiting for it. As we talked about on the Sunday night show, a big day, over hundred yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Hayden, we theorized, at least I did. I'll put my hand up uh, before, th- I don't know, Halloween that, Hey, Zay Jones, when he's in there, Calvin Ridley has big days. Um, that is now picking up steam on Twitter this week's yes. this performance. <laughs> I want to point out that I don't believe that that was the number one reason for this, or maybe even number two, okay? To me, the number one reason for Calvin Ridley's resurgence in this game was the condensed splits and also the motion into them from Christian Kirk, which confused the defensive responsibilities. The condensed splits allowed for more space to for Calvin really to operate along those sideline because as you can mm-hmm. see there were plenty of still catches outside the numbers. Yeah, the first couple of his catches were just the sideline throws that we've been used to very 50-50, but because it's a worse secondary he was able to come down with them. A little bit of positive luck helps, but like this touchdown right here, that's the condensed split where he has more room to operate. The funny part about this is Zay Jones means so much to this team that even when he's on the sideline 
he has Calvin Ridley going. Obviously, that touchdown that he has, uh, the second one where he was in the slot, which was nice. His slot rate didn't go up versus other games, but the condensed formations does help him move to the left or to the right. Zay Jones was not even, this is the touchdown. Zay is not even on the field here. So we can't play into this narrative. It's a fantastic bit. Maybe it's just Zay's confidence on the sideline. He means so much to this team. (laughs) But really, this was just taking advantage of a good matchup. Calvin really playing good football. Trevor Lawrence having time to operate. And then maybe Zay Jones giving the team a good uh, pump-up speech. Trust me, no one likes Zay Jones more than me over the past two years. Uh, Maybe not. As that's much that's as a fact. Uh, after what has transpired over the last few weeks. Um, but to me, number two reason why Calvin really went off is because he was also facing the Titans secondary. Yes. You know, like some of these same, hey, corners, I'm going to push you to the sideline and give you absolutely no room and run you off that green line. Uh, he was able to work past them and the timing was perfect on those. Hayden, I do feel that now that we're getting these routes either inside the numbers, on the numbers, or just outside of it, like as you saw those back-to-back catches, um, there was one where it was still to the left side, the near hash, and still Calvin Ridley was just on the numbers. That, Mm -hmm. again, giving him at least some room to operate, I think is hopefully what Press Taylor and this team is going to take forward and do so with Calvin Ridley. But again, we did not see a ton of different stuff in order for Calvin Ridley to get there. I, I agree. I do think that when Zay is fully ready to go and seeing probably a little bit more targets than what he saw this last game, that d- definitely is bad news for Kirk and for Evan Ingram. Uh, on top of that, there was the big other takeaway for me, which was just Travis Etienne's usage. Yeah, bring Just it up. because uh, Travis Etienne, what we saw in this last game, obviously in complete garbage time, Tank Bigsby comes in, but Tank Bigsby is no longer the number two. The number two is Dearness Johnson. And Dearness Johnson was playing well before that this game was out of hand. And there was some speculation that if, if Travis Etienne is going to be able to maintain the workload that he had earlier in the season. So this is back-to-back weeks where Travis Etienne isn't seeing like 90% of the touches like he was seeing when he was really popping off as like a top five uh, fantasy running back. Maybe he's more of a low-end guy over the last month of the season He's been the running back 20 on running back 15 usage. I don't think it'll get any lower than that, but I do want to note that Dearness Johnson, they found a running back that they can actually trust. And maybe Dearness Johnson plays a couple more snaps and throwing Zay Jones back in the mix. Maybe they pass a little bit more. So I'm, I'm, I do wonder if we've seen the absolute best of Travis Etienne in fantasy this season. You know, we expected a split backfield heading into the season and we heard about it all off season long and, you know, by the money and by their draft picks, again, we were expecting it. But as you have rightfully pointed out, Tank Bigsby may be face planted more than any other rookie running back out there. And so it kind of prevented them from even having the opportunity. Uh, And because of that, Travis Etienne was again getting 20, 25 plus touches a game. So if we get to this point now here in week 12 that Dearness Johnson has earned a little bit of that trust. And yeah, I look, this is not going to be a 50, 50 split backfield. It's not going to be like one guy is this versus this, so on and so forth. But yeah, um, not having 80%, 85% Travis Etienne is a pretty yeah. significant difference. If it's down mm-hmm. to, I don't know, 60, 65%. Right. I, I'm still going to start running back 10, move him from there based off the matchups. Totally awesome pick. Uh, by the way, tank bigs, but you can drop him if you have him for the dynasty people out there. He was on special teams. It was fourth and five. 
He's playing uh, as a punt return specialist, and he lines up offsides, automatic first down for Tennessee. So everything that he touches completely falls apart. They have no faith in him at all right now. Right, and, and the team's per carry rushing success rate is not great right now. And what we have seen from Tank, excuse me, from Travis Etienne is um, you give him enough touches, and he's going to break one because he obviously is almost a bowling ball between the tackles, and then has some nice acceleration to create big gains off of that. Mm-hmm. Okay, injury news. It's headlined by Jake Browning now becoming the starter for the Cincinnati Bengals uh, instead of Joe Burrow. <sighs> Jamar Chase, top two overall draft pick out there in fantasy football. It was a rough start to the season for this entire Bengals offense. And now from week 12 and on in the playoffs, Hayden, I'm not sure if the Jamar Chase teams are going to be that relevant, but let's have that conversation. How are you changing transforming your thoughts on jamar chase here moving forward well i don't think browning could be as bad as like the zach wilson stuff and i think jamar chase and garrett wilson are similar so i i know i've already made that comparison but i do think like garrett wilson's kind of survived as like an inconsistent wide receiver too who just can have some really stinker games because the quarterback play completely falls apart but jamar chase we at least have seen zach taylor put him into the slot and a lot of these passes have been really close to the line of scrimmage and at least he bailed out with this this is actually a great pass by brown and good timing on that ball uh at the, at the pylon right there but we'll see jamar chase probably that average depth of throw get really close to the line of scrimmage and they're gonna have to dink and dunk their way down the field so i think that jamar chase is still gonna have plenty of volume just the odds of a long touchdown just more touchdowns in general take a big hit here but i don't think the Bengals are gonna be like all of a sudden we're going to run the ball. Like I think their best way is to throw the ball to Jamar Chase in space and see if he can make a play because it doesn't sound like T. Higgins is going to be back for a little bit of time, if at all. This They're going to be battling for that wild card spot, but I think the Bengals, if they're being honest, know what the season is and it's over. We saw the same thing. I went back so all of you didn't have to and watched every single Jake Browning throw. Uh, he did recognize a you know too high to then single high safety rotation, and when as soon as he recognized it, he saw – and tried to hit his one-on-one receiver on the outside. Unfortunately, it was number 12 and not Jamar Chase. There were other times when he was under pressure where he did try to attempt at least vertical shots. But, you know, even when Jamar Chase was out there and is out there, I think you're going to see teams like sit on these slants, on these underneath patterns that we have seen Jamar Chase run a lot with, with a broken Joe Burrow to start this year until, you know, Jake Browning is able to, make them pay with a vertical shot, a whole shot, whatever you want to put it on any part mm-hmm. of the field. And I, I'm just not sure how effective that is going to get. So I think we're going to see maybe around 10 targets for Jamar yes. Chase. And it's kind of up to him to, and not putting the responsibility on him, but to make one ridiculous play yards after the catch, or again, a short touchdown reception. I don't think Tyler Boyd's going to be relevant at all. Obviously, the tight ends have been a mess. That We don't have to worry about them. Joe Mixon has been fantasy relevant, actually, the last couple weeks. He's been scoring a lot of touchdowns because that's how regression works in good offenses. Joe Mixon is not like Brees Hall because he cannot rip off the big plays. So I think that Joe Mixon's more of a flex guy. The Bengals are going to be projected for like bottom five points the rest of the season. Just for example, you can see them kind of in this terrible quadrant right next to the Raiders and the Jets and the Steelers teams that have some quarterback problems right now. So I think Joe Mixon is obviously going to take a huge hit here. Probably I'm, I'll say he's a flex running back 27, 28 kind of next to like all of the other running backs on bad teams. 
Okay, let's spin it back to Monday Night Football and talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. Just 17 points. People on the show know I'm going to bring it up because it continues to be a story. The same second half stat every single week where now, other than I believe it's the New York Giants and the New York Jets or some awful teams, maybe the Arizona Cardinals on there. uh, The Chiefs are 30th in the NFL in drives in the second half scoring points. And it's not just because I hear that this phrasing, they haven't scored a touchdown in the second half in the last three games. It goes beyond that. It goes for the entire season. So yes, to me, Hayden, do the chiefs pass catchers lead the NFL and drops hundred percent. Like might the story be like slightly different today. If MVS catches that deep shot and they win because of it. Sure. But this team isn't going to get new players. And I guess the question is, do the wide receivers magically get better? Because that seems like the only way that, this 30th gets to average and average is probably like the best barometer we can get to the best barrier we can get to and not be, you know, top 10 and scoring points the rest of the way. I think they can still be top 10 because it still is Patrick Mahomes, but we are at the point where we can expect this wide receiver group to get better. I went back and watched just all the wide receivers. And I just want to pause it before we get too going here. Obviously drops are drops. Like you can't have drops in the NFL. It's so obvious. Anybody can say that drops are a problem here. But this, what I'm trying to do in this montage right here is just look at when the wide receivers have good feel. And I'm highlighting Rasheed Rice from the first couple plays because Patrick Mahomes, this entire game was telling wide receivers to sit, just sit down and I'll throw you the ball. But they keep drifting in zone. They're just not on the same page with Patrick Mahomes. I think they're trying to get a good feel for when Patrick Mahomes is going to scramble or when Patrick Mahomes is actually trying to throw the ball. So Rasheed Rice on that last play, he wasn't ready for the, the, the snap when it got going. Justin Watson, he's been struggling with not only just with his hands, but on where to run his routes. There's this one route on the sideline where he drifts. There's this play right here, drifts up closer to like the 50 yard line mark, get to the sideline. That's where your route's supposed to be. Mahomes is throwing it right on time. Obviously at MVS has drops. Noah Gray right here is the same type of situation where Mahomes just like sit down in the zone. I'm going to throw it to you, but he puts his hands back because he does not expecting the ball. So the whole thing is a mess with these wide receivers. It's not to me. It's not just the drops. It's the timing. Right. Steve Smith and I, when we back when uh, back in week one, did a uh, good old days video on this. We were talking about the mesh routes. They they weren't on the same page with those little out routes, little slant routes. The timing is off, and I'm not sure if you fix well, timing on November 21st. This is my point. You and Steve outlined it after week one. Yeah. We just saw week 11. That's 10 weeks and a bye week. It hasn't gotten better. You know, so my point is maybe they can go from 30th in second half drives to score points to 16th. But in order to win the Super Bowl, I understand those are one-off games and anything can happen. But like get to Mm -hmm. top 12, top 10, top five. Like I'm – of the opinion that if the chiefs could score points in the second half, they would like to score points in the second half. I still think Mahomes is so magical that he can drag this team because the defense is no questions about it. It's top five at the very worst. It could be higher than that, especially when Steve Spagnuolo is actually has time to game plan against these uh, uh, playoff teams. And the interior offensive line is very good. We have some games where Isaiah Pacheco can get going. It's been a little bit up and down. They need to clean up the penalties as well. The offensive tackles, always penalized but i hope that there's a couple of these missed opportunities downfield 
just get caught. I know it's it's it, the odds aren't high, but they are there. And Patrick Mahomes, what he is doing very well this season, he's scrambling around. That's totally. what we saw against the Eagles last game. Honestly, they should have won. The Patrick Mahomes interception, very rare, but that was a huge one in the in the end zone. And then the Travis Kelsey fumble at the eight yard line. I mean, that's that's we're talking about fourteen points in a game that they lost by just a couple throughout the MVS. But again, I'm not I'm not just looking at this past week. I'm not know, just looking the at thing. the last three weeks. I'm talking about now eleven yes. weeks in the season, and they are thirtieth. I agree. So it's it's bad. Trust the T word that you have brought up. Is this why Justin Watson is playing 66% of the snaps or let's say routes run um, because he is the most dependable player? Because we talk about post by rookie bumps. You just outlined it in your compilation. Rasheed Rice went down to 52%. Trust yeah. is probably not in line with him in the quarterback at this point. I, I think that's exactly what it is. I think that they scheme him open and he looks he to me, he looks the best. You can feel that he's the best. Yes. But you can also feel that Patrick Mahomes doesn't trust him. And I see why after really digging deep on this last game, why that is the case. So I think you're going to see this rotation. Honestly, Kadarius Tony, when he's not fumbling the ball, he seems like the one that still has a little bit of special sauce to him versus the rest of these guys, we know what MVS is at this but point. But that's almost a manufactured touch player, too. Like, if right, Rasheed Rice is it. a bit of a manufactured touch, not in the same way as Miko Harbin, but kind of like yeah. slants and end breakers and at least right. versus man, we know what you're doing and zone yeah. you don't. When the ball's in his hands, it looks nice. But, like, they have a bunch of those types of players here mm-hmm. and then some undependable MVSs to run down the field. And then you have Justin Watson, who has been right. a nice vertical shot player, but even in this game was not Drops. Lots of drops, bad feel for Justin Watson as well. So, yeah, they, I know that they were scheming Kadarius Tony the ball more this game than they were uh, previously. We'll see. N- none of this matters for fantasy football. I just think that it's very evident that it's a trust issue. It's not just a drops issue. That's my whole point with this. Yeah. I think this unit is bad enough that we can look back on the year and say, like, this is the reason why they didn't win it, you know? And maybe I will be foolish and you can look back on this statement and say, like, how could you ask that in week 11? But, I mean, this is even different and a different feel than the one that we had last year. And I'm not saying, like, Juju had a good season, but at least Juju was competent in the middle of the field. I agree that. Last note on this game, though. The trenches, shocking, were won by Kansas City. I would say on both sides. And that's against the Eagles. So you basically traded Tyreek for the rights to have a top five defense and the ability to win in the trenches, that could get you enough to still win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I know they moved that pick a lot, but Tyreek Hill in some way became Trip McDuffie, and Trip McDuffie has been all over the field this year and potentially an Mm all-pro level. Let's talk about those Philadelphia Eagles on the opposite end because on their offense, it wasn't great either. I mean, 14 of 22 from Jalen Hurts, 150 yards, just an interception, took five sacks in this game. To me, Hayden, he looked extremely indecisive in the pocket. We talked about it last year, how this team didn't need to keep the pedals to the floor and late third, entire fourth quarters at times. They won in all these different ways if they need to run the ball 10 times in a row or do RPOs off of that or take these vertical shots. Um, you just discussed how good this Chiefs defense has been, but the Eagles offense, despite being 9-1, and one, does not feel like a 9-1 and one offense to me at all times this year like it did last year. It definitely does feel worse. Jalen Hurts was under pressure a lot. They were getting blitzed from the slot uh, a ton in this game, and they were like really just not having a good feel for it. On top of that, the the Chiefs' corners are not just good. They're also really physical. I think that's why they've slowed down the Dolphins at times. They did that with A.J. Brown. 
in this one, but we we kind of had this game pegged because it was such a huge DeAndre Swift game. There was like how many plays in a row was it just a screen to, totally. to either it was either Weather was factor two. Yep. Stuff. So this game was really about trying to win in the trenches and then shot plays to Devontae Smith. I think that the Devontae Smith splits without Dallas Garter are real. And I think that we should ex- continue to see this. I think the best is yet to come for Devontae Smith after a very slow part of the season. I do think that he will finish strong, but we're just trying to f- figure out the little wrinkles with Jalen Hurts right now. And obviously the offensive line is still very good. Maybe it's not the as good as it was previously, but I do think it was just the blitzing that Spagnola does and just the aggressiveness from the Chiefs secondary in general. Well, I also think Jalen Hurts is just playing worse. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the knee injury or, or or what, but last year he was on fire for stretches, right? And it was to have that also ability of Dallas Goddard on the field with these RPO and schemed up plays for him underneath. But we've kind of seen, you know, when he starts drifting to the right, it doesn't work out quite as well as often. And when force left, it's even worse. Last year he ran pure and this year he's just not running pure. But at the same time, they can win dirty because one, the individual playmakers that they have on defense, this is why you draft so many pass rushers. I mean, it goes from my guy, Milton Williams, all the way down to Jalen Carter to the veteran edge rushers and new guys that they have too, you know, to, Hey, Devontae Smith, we have used our secondary pass catcher or, DeAndre Swift, you can break an explosive or mm-hmm. hey, at the one yard line, we were unstoppable. Like, so this is one of those teams that is built to win nasty, dirty games, even if yes. they didn't have to do that last yep. season. It felt like a playoff game, throwing the weather and all that stuff. It felt like a January game. Oh, oh, the other thing with the Chiefs side, real quick the punt decision, fourth and four, you can't punt the ball. You know, Trust. I know Andy Reid does that. Trust. What are, I mean, what are we doing here? You're punting it to the Eagles. Like, this is the layup opportunity that they want. You can see that the Eagles couldn't believe it because they had like four or five linebackers still on the field that they were preparing for a fake. So a little bit more aggressiveness. I know the trust is hard for the the, the Chiefs, but that felt like a playoff game. It was a great game. Uh, and I, I just wonder if like maybe the playoffs this year are a little less sco- uh, high scoring than we've been used to. It certainly feels that way. Defense uh, at times dominating this league. Okay, let's get into the three Thanksgiving Day games here. We'll kick off with the 1230 Eastern game. This is the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers. Lions at home, notable here, Hayden. Uh, They are favored by seven and a half points. Mm -hmm. Yes, Uh, they're projected to score 27 and a half on their own. They played back in week four. Hayden, before we get into maybe the nitty gritty of this game, let's talk about any details from the stats versus film aspect of what we saw from the Lions this past weekend. So it was a somewhat similar rotation at running back. They're like trying to make this drive by drive, but we had a little bit less of that. Both of them were phenomenal. Again, Jameer Gibbs was super explosive. They're using him out in the screen game. There's a couple dump off opportunities because Jared Goff likes to throw the ball over the middle of the field, but all of a, a big portion of his runs were the outside, including his goal line carry where he basically uh, juked out the entire uh, Ben Johnson juked out the entire bears defense. So I thought Jameer Gibbs was super explosive. I thought David Montgomery was as advertised. And when the game was on the line, we did see David Montgomery get subbed in at the goal line for that game winning touchdown. But Right now, the Lions are number one in fantasy usage to their running backs this month by a wide margin, just as they were previously. So to me, it's like I think it's being we're ranking these guys too low. If we keep referencing that these are both like upside RB twos, like no. to me, these are these are like RB ones, especially against the Packers who can't tackle. Yeah, totally with you. I mean, if we 
look at what Dave Montgomery has done just this season, okay, in games that he has played in full, 13.4, and if you include his week six game where he played about 20 snaps Mm -hmm. and just had a score of 3.8, he's running back six overall on the season, okay? Then if you look at what Jameer Gibbs has done in these past four weeks, and granted two of those were without um, were without Dave Montgomery. I have him at RB1 the last month. Where is Jameer Gibbs? He is. He is. Oh, my gosh. 23 and a half points. So you get yeah. 27.4, 24.7, and 18.5. So yeah. I'm totally with you. Like having these guys as running back 12, running back 10, running back 8, wherever you want it, both of them as a pair – in, in an offense that's going to score a bunch of points and so much of it either flows through them, then I think that's important. And Hayden, maybe a wrinkle if Amon Ross St. Brown is going to be a factor and then we get healthy running backs as a factor too, then one player has to kind of disappear yep. a little bit. And that seems like is going to be Sam Laporta. Uh, when both running backs have played in full, five targets, five targets, five targets, and five targets. I, this makes sense to me. If David Montgomery is on the field, they're gonna their neutral pass rate is probably gonna come down. They're gonna run the ball a little bit more, especially in the red zone where tight ends get a larger chunk of their production, uh, just as a position in general. And then with Jameer Gibbs, very utilized, like earning more reps because he's been very good this last month. Those are screen opportunities. Those are check down opportunities. Those are just uh, more reasons for Jared uh, Goff to come off of his reads a little bit faster and settle for Jameer Gibbs. So. I think that there will be splits on and off with these backs with Sam Laporta. Now, Sam Laporta, does that make him a tight end too? Probably not. But we have also graduated the Trey McBrides into every week tight end one. So I think Sam Laporta is probably sticking as like the tight end 10-ish to me. That said, the Lions, once again, are projected for the second most points on the week this week. So this is a very legit offense. Multiple guys are going to be able to get home. But I do think that the foundation is Amon Ross St. Brown plus these two running backs. I know Quay Walker has missed some time too at the linebacker spot for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, a few keys to the game, as our buddy Ben Solak would put it here for the Detroit Lions against the Green Bay Packers. Um, again, on Thursday, they played back in week four. And again, I believe it was 27 to three entering halftime. That was when Dave Montgomery had 32 carries for 121 yards and three touchdowns. Again, this past weekend, both got 14 touchdowns or 14 touches, I should say. So I don't expect, you know, one guy to get 32 in this. But we just discussed so much about the running game that a little bit on the receiving matchup and the passing game matchup of this. Our buddy Rich Rebar over at Sharp Football with the worksheet. Uh, The Packers run cover three at the third highest rate in the league against cover three this season. Jared Goff is the third highest rated quarterback in the league, throwing for 8.8 yards per attempt and a league high 11 touchdowns. So he didn't have to do much in the first time that they played 19 of 28, 210 yards, just eight attempts in the second half because of that 27 to three lead. Uh, But this one's in a dome. And if he needs to pedal to the floor and eviscerate with Ben Johnson, that cover three defense. The other thing that's helping the lions fantasy players the Lions defense, I think, is really bad. I, I love Aiden Hutchinson, but they have been getting exposed for a long time. They've lost a lot of players in the secondary in particular. We've just seen them getting shootouts. Like That's just what happened with the Bears last week. It's not, it hasn't been like the most elite teams either. Like These mediocre teams are hanging in, hanging in there with uh, Detroit and Green Bay's played a little bit better on offense. I do think this 
game has a lot of fantasy appeal, really. What's interesting is I think they have some good individual pieces. Like I think Ali McNeil is playing really well this season. Obviously, Aiden Hutchinson, Brian Branch is just a menace in the mm-hmm. slot and in the secondary. But I think what we saw with Chicago do last week was, and obviously Jordan Love is not the movement skills of, of Justin Fields, but there were even some naked boots or bootlegs and misdirection to kind of not even have to block Aiden Hutchinson and just kind of work around him. I'll be interested to see Matt before if uh, he does similar things because, you know, he loves his misdirection on top of that. And again, for a team that spent a first round pick on the running back spot and there are questions outside of their number one wide receiver and Amon Ross St. Brown is mostly an underneath player. Detroit has scored 14 touchdowns from outside the red zone this year, but is tied with Miami for the most in the NFL. Dang. There we go. Okay. Green Bay Packers time. So I wanted to bring this up from our buddy Mike Clay over at ESPN because while the snap counts and everything certainly still leans to Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and Jane Reed, look how flat the yeah. targets are for all of them. Romeo Dobbs over the last three games, 14. Luke Musgrave, 14. Jane Reed, 14. Aaron Jones, 14. Christian Watson, 13. Dontavian Wicks, 13. I think it's because more or less they're all kind of schemed up players. Like that's what Christian Watson has kind of turned out to be. Jaden Reed certainly has done that. Now, obviously those guys can like win on their own when given the opportunity to, but they do get wicks out there for like 20, 25% of the routes as well. This week, it does seem like we're not going to have my guy, Luke Musgrave. He has an ab injury. It sounds like it's a pretty significant one. Maybe he goes on IR. Yeah. Still in the hospital. So hopefully my guy Luke uh, gets some you know better luck next year, uh, but hopefully he comes out of this okay as well. So right now, fantasy usage model, Romeo Dobbs, wide receiver 36, Watson 38, Jaden Reed 54, just based on usages last month. But what the funny part is, obviously, Christian Watson's done nothing. Jaden Reed keeps scoring all the touchdowns, actually doing a, a fair bit of a Christian Watson impression based off of last year. So I think it's a rotation. I think all three of them are flex worthy type of plays uh, for, for the DFS slate people playing battle Royale and stuff. I do think this is like the perfect team to kind of sprinkle in because I don't really trust the uh, lions secondary. I think the Lions are able to score a lot of points on the Packers. So I do think that we will have opportunities for one, one or two of these guys to pop up because Jordan love is playing a little bit better this year has always been aggressive, just starting to feel a little bit more experience, which obviously was the big question mark going into the year. Last two times these teams played, Jordan Love was pressured at the highest rate of, of his season at a 48.8%. So uh, we'll see if they can take advantage of that line's defense, like you talked about, and if their offensive line has gelled a bit since mm-hmm. early in the season. Well, okay, go ahead. Well, we obviously have to talk about A.J. Dillon as well. It's not just Aaron oh. Jones that's going to be sidelined for a little bit. It's called an MCL sprain probably week to week. Call it three games missed, somewhere like that. It's just going to be A.J. Dillon right now because the, the number three running back, he also left with an injury. He's not going to play on a short week as well. So we've seen them try to get A.J. Dillon going. I can't tell if they like or don't like A.J. Dillon. Free agent after the season. It does seem like he goes back and forth with them, but I don't think they have a choice uh, right now. So I think that they're going to try to win this through the air a little bit more. I think if I was going to pick where the Lions are a little bit weaker at, I do think it is through the air. So I think A.J. Dillon's going to be a full-time player, great for fantasy Strong RB2 upside appeal in this game. But I, if I was LaFleur, I'd be looking for schemed up opportunities for Watson, Dobbs, and Jaden Reed. Okay. Before we go to the f- 430 matchup, 
Underdog Fantasy is giving away $300,000 this week. That's it? <laughs> <laughs> like, no, you don't have to win something to get $300,000. We're literally just giving it away to you. Um, all you have to do is enter a pick'em entry from now until so today is Tuesday until Thursday at 5:30 Eastern. And just let's say the magical, mythical people over at Under are gonna sprinkle some cash in in many accounts that yeah. equals up to three hundred thousand dollars. The best way to do this, one. If you don't think your state has Pick'em, you're probably wrong, okay? So we have Pick'em Champions now that is open in states that previously didn't have Pick'em. I'm not going to list them all. So <laughs> download the app and click the link in the description down below. And so I am matching your first deposit up to $100,000. And then you 100000 <laughs> Did I say 100000 Yeah, you did. Oh, no. I, meant, I meant $100. And then on top of that, you might get a piece of this $300,000 that Nick Rudman and co are, are sprinkling over. I'm very curious to see if our checks are going to clear after this promotion. We'll see. But good good for you guys. What what if what I said was binding and I do match yeah. up to 100K? That's I do how, not. That's how legal works. That's Kivo. I do not. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's go into that 430 game and kick it off with the Dallas Cowboys. Again, this is against the Washington Commanders. At least you and I were talking. And look, the spreads are seven plus for every single one of these games, but the underdog side are at least fun offenses to watch. Like they're good, bad teams in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, So first let's start with the Cowboys here. They obviously just torched the Panthers. We got that power rushing touchdown by Tony Pollard. Anything you want to say about any of the other pieces here against this Washington commanders defense? Just this pass games out of control right now. Dak Prescott last week, they had the second highest neutral pass rate of the week and teams have chosen to run the ball against Carolina, but they came out past the ball. Dak Prescott's playing really strong ball. Uh, CD lamb when given the opportunities that he deserves, he's been popping off. But I think it's a fantastic matchup. Obviously the commander secondary has been a joke for a lot of the season. And Dak Prescott's absolutely shredded man coverage because he has guys like CD lamb popping up out of nowhere. So I think this is gonna get really ugly for the commander's defense on a short week, because I think that Dak Prescott's playing at a near MVP level with no quarterbacks really separating. He is 100% in that mix, and CeeDee Lamb's taking that opportunity. We like the Ferg Daddy, like Ferg Daddy's matchup in yeah. this one as well. Cowboys project for the most points, not just on Thanksgiving, but in the entire week. Jamin Davis kind of gets stuck in a blender at times, and if he has to cover Ferg Daddy, that might be a really good matchup for the tight end. Yeah, I mean, where the Cowboys has defined their season so far is just crushing bad teams, you know, annihilating bad teams. And this classifies as one of those. The commander's defense, nine of the 10 quarterbacks that they have faced this season have finished as top 10 scores. And six of those have finished as yeah. top five scores. So we know you're starting Dak Prescott, but most likely you're getting a top five finish from Dak Prescott this week. And also this leaves a light on to me for Brandon Cooks because mm-hmm. if Jack Del Rio and company shades things in the direction like we have seen uh, for C.D. Lamb, Washington's defense has allowed a league high nine touchdowns to wide receivers on throws 20 plus yards or further down the field. Yeah, that's great news for him. Um, should we have the Tony Pollard conversation? Because yeah, I was, go for you know, it. Well, I was getting a lot of shit from people in the comments for really ranking Pollard, ranking Pollard ahead of Travis Etienne last week. Yep. Just saying yes. once again, Tony Pollard, he has the uses that we want. We know that there's some good player in him. If he can just find it, 
Well, we found it last week. Uh, that touchdown run was really impressive. Uh, we, we heard a CeeDee Lamb saying that they wanted to get Tony Pollard going, not that CeeDee Lamb's calling the plays or anything like that. But when you're a running back that gets to the goal line opportunities, your backup running back's dealing with some type of injury, and you're projected for the most points on the week as a team, I mean, it's hard not to rank him as a we're, I'm gonna start him at top five and kind of move from there depending on the rest of the matchups. Totally. But I think this was a fantastic run, very promising for him and a good kickstart. And uh, maybe he's going to be the poster child of it's a long fantasy football season where the first 10 weeks can get really ugly. And then all of a sudden you look, uh, look up and you're like, wow, the Dallas Cowboys offense is really good. And Tony Pollard gets all the touches. No, it's true. And this commander's defensive tackle unit is great. We know about the edge rushing unit. Uh, it has been traded away. So, you know, the strength of this offensive line actually sometimes might feel like it's the interior. And so having that matchup in your favor with Zach Martin and Tyler Smith and company, and then the tackles having kind of an easier work. Yeah. This could once again, line up for a really nice Tony Pollard day. Good job on your ranking Hayden. Good job. Okay. On the commander side, they also have a good running back. I thought Brian Robinson looked awesome last week. Yeah. He was one of my favorite flag plants of the summer where he was going because we read the tea leaves. We listened to coach speak. We knew that he was going to be the lead ball carrier for this team, even if Antonio Gibson was being drafted earlier. And Antonio Gibson missed last week. It's a short week. He's still not practicing with mm -hmm. that toe injury. So not only does Brian Robinson kind of profile as a power runner, he has looked far more fluid than all of you gave him credit for in the pass catching game too this season. I believe he caught like 40 passes in his last year at Alabama. So it was like surprising based off of his rookie season, but he had a little bit of these chops. Uh, obviously no Antonio Gibson is huge news for him because he doesn't become game script dependent. Obviously when you're playing the Cowboys, where you say they're 11 point favorites here, this would be the typical game where a couple weeks ago, we'd be nervous about Brian Robinson, but if no, no Antonio Gibson, that obviously is going to change a lot of things. He caught a lot of passes, in garbage time last week. So I think that he, right now he's the RB eight this month on RB 21 usage. So even in a bad matchup, they're only projected for 19 points as a team. Ryan Robinson, very live as an RB two play. Sam Howell took four sacks last week. He had kind of gotten and three interceptions. Obviously he had kind of gotten away from those drive killing mistakes over the previous two or three weeks. Uh, and what don't you want to see when you're, sprouting up those mistakes again this dallas cowboys defense uh and you can move michael parsons all across it and they'll find either the yeah. center the weakest point the left guard the weakest point the right tackle being the weakest point whatever it is and they'll line michael parsons against him and get a one-on-one -on -one matchup and so i do fear like we're gonna learn some stuff about sam howell in this game for sure i agree and the commanders not like it's been like a, a little bit of time but they just placed two starting linemen on into reserve that's not going to help here one note i do have logan thomas in garbage time is an absolute hammer so that's just something if you are playing battle royale you're punting off tight ends he's the guy that i want just because if if they're down 14 points washington basically doesn't run the ball at all they give up on it very quickly that's just what eric Bieniemy is known to do and logan thomas just sits there in that zone he catches the ball over and over and over again so i think logan thomas might be like a fringe tight end one call him like the tight end 12 going into this week San Francisco 49ers against the Seattle Seahawks, 8-20 Thursday evening. Uh, they are seven-point favorites on the road against the Seattle Seahawks. Um, okay, do we want to say anything about San Francisco? I threw out the idea on Sunday Night Football uh, on our Instant Reaction show 
that maybe George Kittle has surpassed Debo Samuel on the pecking order of target getters in this offense. I don't know if that is fair, um, but as you are showing, despite how good Brandon Ayuk is and has played this season, uh, despite how good Debo Samuel is as an individual, this team is still bottom of the league in terms of wide receiver fantasy usage. And to me, when we read that, that only outlines and spotlights how freaking good Brandon Ayuk is that he is still getting there in multiple games despite all of that. Yeah, the I mean, all of his work last week was insane. Just Brock Purdy giving his guys a chance. Brock Purdy's playing very good after a couple rough weeks, throwing the ball downfield. Ayuk creating separation, a better contested catch player than I think a lot of people give him credit for right now. So to me, Brandon Ayuk has separated. I will say Debo Samuel is still getting end arounds and some some schemed up opportunities early in games but the long scores just kept going to george kittle and to brandon Ayuk. maybe that evens out over time but yeah this is always just a battle for um touches and the seahawks defense are spinning forward to thanksgiving i do think that there are opportunities on the ground game like this could be a more of a christian mccaffrey game just because we do like the seahawks secondary uh more or less here so maybe debo samuel's usage underneath schemed up stuff matters a little bit more than it has but george kittle just been way more relevant this year than he has in previous years when everybody's been healthy so maybe that's a trend that we should be buying into have you ever been on vacation after a long day of activities or sightseeing you have a night in room service bathrobes and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have. And you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series. And when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right, three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals slash underdog. Okay, let's go to the Seattle Seahawks end of this one because they have the number one waiver pickup this week that Hayden and I have been telling you to pick up for countless weeks. That is Zach Charbonnet filling in for the oblique strained Kenneth Walker. Um, we love Zach Charbonnet as a prospect. I do want to highlight the differences in Zach Charbonnet's game versus yes. Kenneth Walker's game because they are evident. Um, you'll see Zach Charbonnet be a bit more patient between the tackles here and make smaller and shorter cuts to work on and take advantage of the blocking. I do want to bring up this play that producer Weeds did just show because maybe I'm being a little bit of negative Norris here, but I feel like if Kenneth Walker is in the ball game here, then he at least threatens a safety rather than gets the arm tackle from Morgan Fox. That's fine. We're not going to get huge 30, 40, 50, 60 yard gains as often from Zach Charbonnet as we did from Kenneth Walker. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that Zach Charbonnet doesn't do things well. And Hayden, he's going to see a ton of work. He's going to see a ton of work, uh, but he will need all of it because the yes. 49ers run defense is as good as it gets. Teams 
typically abandon the run against the 49ers fairly quickly. Usually that's scoreboard driven. We'll see if the Seahawks can hang around here, but Charbonnet can catch a bunch of passes. He did so at UCLA and he did so uh, throughout this season in spurts. That's when he was mostly mixing in. So there could be some jump off opportunities. Now is he going to be able to make Fred Warner miss in space? Don't like his chances there, but I do think that the volume is going to be hard to get away from. I'll probably rank him in like the RB2 range. He is a, a pick him up off the waiver and start type of guy. I just wish we, we've we been hyping him up for so long. I wish he was doing so in a little bit of an easier matchup. And you point out in the recap show, it's not just this week. The, the next matchups aren't good either. Yeah, it's the Cowboys after the 49ers and the 49ers again, then the Eagles, then the Titans and the Come Steelers. On. And that's how we close it out for the fantasy football season. Don't even get the Cardinals there for wow. week 18. Um, a little theory I have, because their okay. second back is going to be DJ Dallas, right? Uh-oh. Could potentially, since DJ Dallas and his specialty is passing downs, that he takes all of that passing down work from Zach Charbonnet, not all of it, just like the Some pure one-minute, yeah. two-minute, hurry-up, third and long, second and long type stuff. And then Zach Charbonnet goes into what we have kind of seen from Kenneth Walker in recent weeks. That would not be good for this week, but I do think that is possible. I do want to throw out a name. I, I, Kenny McIntosh, he was yeah, a, a rookie that was too. a pass catcher. He's been injured. I, I, we, go double check. Do your own research here. Uh, go double check to see if he's actually healthy uh, for this game. But he is another pass catchy type of guy that Pete Carroll, he docks up everybody. But at one point he was gushing over uh, old McIntosh. I mean, he gushes over every single player he's asked about. Uh, yeah, again, I really like Zach Charbonnet's talents. It is a bit of a yin and a yang versus mm-hmm. what Kenneth Walker is good out here. You're going to need the volume against all of these great defenses that he has coming up, and it would suck if they do lean into DJ Dallas's strength, which is that passing game, and take that element from Zach Charbonnet. Not completely, because they'll throw the ball, obviously, on first and second down and all that type of stuff, but just something to keep in mind. Okay. Alphabetical order. Do you have one more that you want to talk about? Well, we do have Geno Smith. It's a tricep injury. We'll follow the practice reports. It seems like he's going to play through, but I did want to just throw out DK Metcalf had a very good game last game. He's working downfield. Um, So hopefully uh, Geno is ready to play. What we have seen is the 49ers a little bit worse against fantasy wide receivers than they are against tight ends and running backs because teams have to just throw the ball downfield. And if they were bad at a spot, it would be in the secondary. They also just lost Talanua Hufunga, USC legend with a torn ACL. That's a safety uh, for the 49ers. Um, Hufunga didn't help USC defense at any point uh, <laughs> with Clay Helton. But uh, DK Metcalf, I do think he's fully separated from Tyra Lockett and JSN right now. And I think that he would be the guy that the Seahawks want to get going here. I think Gino is worse against pressure this season. And this is a dangerous matchup for that. Yeah. Um, San Francisco is fourth in the league in pressure rate. And Gino has been pressured 25th highest rate in the league. So, or excuse me, he's 25th in the league in pressure rate. So that's bad. Seventh highest is the right way of putting that. Um, when he has been pressured this year, he's averaging 5.1 yards per pass attempt. That's 26th mm-hmm. in the league. So uh, we're going to see a bunch of Chase Young here. And we're going to see Nick Bosa. And we're going to see Eric Armstead. And we're going to see Javon Hargrave. We're going to see whoever else that they trot out there too. Um, and despite him coming back to practice, I Abe Lucas did not play this past week. I don't know if they'll right. then bring him back in on a short week here for Thanksgiving Day game. Betting markets are not happy with the Seahawks right now. They're right next to the Steelers, Raiders, Bengals, Jets, Patriots, teams without you know quarterbacks. Okay. 
There it is. Now it's time to go alphabetical order. You all love it. By the way, before we move on, hit that subscribe button. We need like 8,800 more of you in order for me to hit the beach on some Mai Tai, some mojitos, some frozen daiquiris, a beach far away. 100,000 subscribers. That is our goal. Help us do it. And now you're at this point where you're like, I don't know, 10 and 1 in your fantasy season. Share it with your friends that finished last place or second to last place in your league. They need the help. Spread the love. Spread the word. Come on, game. Okay. Arizona Cardinals are up first. I wanted to like look into a bit of what's wrong with the Kyler Murray to Marquise Brown connection because we were getting all these targets and yards and receptions at points this year with Hollywood Brown and Joshua Dobbs, and that's kind of evaporated. Two aspects. One, just four and five targets the last two games. We talked about in Kyler's first start, a fingertip near catch for a touchdown. And this past week, there were two other deep shots, yep. one thrown out of bounds, and another one that was, again, Hollywood had space down the field. I'm not going to say it was underthrown because it was like a 60-yard shot, but kind of was underthrown and thrown to almost his back shoulder, and it turned out to be an interception. So to me, despite Kyler, yes, showing some rust, one of these is hopefully going to finally connect. It's just kind of unpredictable when it is. Yeah, they're they're not prayer yards. They're they're close to it. I will say Kyler Murray's scrambling ability looked like almost all the way back. His touchdown run was really solid. Obviously, uh, we were freaking out the his first game back on that third and ten scramble. The accuracy has not been there, and that's kind of surprising uh, because you know it's a knee injury. But just working out some of that rust. But those are high value looks down the field. Like that that Marquise Brown is just missing on. He's always been a better in best ball type of profile. He will need to come down with a couple of these, but I said it on the the recap show. Trey McBride is becoming their easy button in this offense, and they're asking a lot of him, and that connection is really working out right now. So even when Zach Ertz does come back, we'll see when, if he's going to be practicing uh, for these next couple weeks. I don't think they're going to wave from the Trey McBride stuff. Like This is like a franchise player to them, and I think that Trey McBride will continue to be and every week uh, tight end uh, over the last month of the season, tight end five on tight end six overall usage. And it's notable because this regime did not draft him, Mm -hmm. you know? So we often see when new GMs and head coaches come in at the same time, and they just want to move on from all the players that were previously. It seems like Arizona is perfectly willing to keep the good players at the past. And there weren't many, but there are some. And, and to build around them and Kyler Murray and Trey McBride. And we'll see what happens with Marquise Brown this summer as a free agent. It, it is a bit frustrating with Hollywood when we get, you know, the zoom, zoom, zooms working for Rondell Moore down the field. And then like the two shots or three yeah. shots Hollywood gets, uh, he doesn't come down with. Not a great sign that Rondell gets one target. It was that, like, I think it was a cover three or cover four uh, shot downfield, but Greg Dorch comes in and just gets all the looks. That dude is special when he gets the rock i don't get it man we said it last year too he was one of my favorite players in the league remember i say sign him i say keep him around see what he's got i don't know fun player okay atlanta falcons hey they're coming out of a bye desmond ritter's back in our lives as a starting quarterback arthur smith has already said that this is for the rest of the season imagine that what do you want to see um that's a great question uh Bijan post by rookie bump could be very special down the stretch here we saw last the last game that he was getting the inside of the goal line or inside the five yard line goal line opportunities. Uh, so that would be special. And then we'll see how healthy Drake London and Kyle Pitts are coming off the bye. They've kind of been battling through some stuff recently, but not surprised that they're committing to Ritter. I think that Ritter is significantly better 
than Taylor Heineke. And hopefully those turnovers in the red zone start to even out. Arthur Smith's job is kind of, is more or less dependent on it. But I think the big thing is just the Bijan stuff. There's room for Tyler Algiers role to go down and that can make uh, Bijan a potential like league winner. Like just as a reminder, like we've seen like the Jonathan Taylor's rookie season. Remember how like that was slow and inconsistent. All of a sudden he was like the most important guy in the whole league. Yeah, and it was a different position, but Amon Ross St. Brown during his final six weeks of his rookie year too, like took that yeah. huge splash forward. I wonder if this offensive line can connect and gel like it yeah. did last year in terms of run blocking. Not just like a league average unit, like one of the best road grading mm -hmm. run blocking units in the league, and that would obviously help Bijan Robinson on top of that. I think the peer pressure did get to Arthur Smith a little bit with the Bijan stuff, and uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm serious. I, I, I think he has succumbed to it twice this season. So also maybe a, a, a bump off the buy for Arthur Smith too. Okay. Baltimore Ravens are next. Damn. So no Mark Andrews for at least the rest of the regular season, maybe even the entire playoffs too. What are your expectations here for Isaiah likely and the rest of this offense? Uh, very low. Uh, when Isaiah, when Isaiah likely was doing this the last year as a rookie, impressive stuff. He he's more or less as a receiver playing as a tight end, but there was no target competition back then. Now we have Zay. Now we have a ground game that's like very good with two players that are doing well. It's it's Gus Bus. It's obviously Keon Mitchell and schemed up opportunities as well. When Isaiah likely was going, it was nobody out there. You know, it was like, I mean, I can't even. I forgot that I memory hold the players that he was competing with. Odell Beckham actually like to me looks. Can I call him looking good right now? Yeah. Like he, he's like running away from players. He right was now. vintage long... two or three weeks before that too, you know? I know. So I, I'm see, actually seeing like good play out of Odell. I think Zay Flowers has a chance to take another big uh, leap down the stretch here as well. So I think Isaiah likely is like welcome to our tight end two lives, but we got a good tight ends now in, in fantasy. So I don't think you want to be starting Isaiah likely. Maybe Lamar Jackson's so good, but I think that, it's Gus Bus, Keaton Mitchell, and Lamar Jackson with a little sprinkle of Zay and Odell. Okay. I'm a little bit more optimistic about Isaiah Likely than okay. you are. And shout out to producer Weaves for going in the bank against other teams that weren't just this past weekend because I actually thought that this was Isaiah Likely's worst game from start to finish. Um, we always talk about it with these tight ends that are young in the league of, okay, they can probably beat man coverage a little bit, but that feel for zone that you're talking about can be tough to come by. I think Isaiah likely this season has shown a little bit of a feel for zone. This is a perfect play for it, right? Boom. We sit here, show hands, catch it, get upfield instantly. Like we're not doubting his athleticism and for all sure. that stuff. Yeah. And you know, this isn't your typical, Hey, our starting inline tight end goes down. We need the young guy to step into this inline tight end role. He's not ready for you know, Mark Andrews does play a little bit in line, a lot in the slot, sometimes split out too. We've seen Isaiah Likely do some in line, work in the slot, split out at the same time. And it's just a different usage of tight end than we see across the league. Do I think he's going to get eight targets, nine targets, 10 targets, be a focal point of the passing game like Mark Andrews? No. Mm -hmm. But again, at least that feel for those spaces that Lamar Jackson does like to hit the second or third window throws, plus athleticism on top of it. I think he's an interesting flyer. Like I, I am bottom of the barrel scraping in one of my leagues at tight end because mm -hmm. I lost Mark Andrews. And so I picked up like Luke Musgrave and now that doesn't work. Yeah. I think my pivot is going to be Isaiah likely. I would put him after like the Logan Thomas, David Njoku, and then you get into They're like, already gone. there. Yeah. They, then I'm sure like, yeah, all things considered. Yes. He's the tight end 15 in fantasy. Sure. But 
even this year, like Mark Andrews, his volume has not been the same as it was previously. They're using him more of a check down guy instead of a seam stretcher. I think it's because yeah. they actually have some real weapons uh, and just a new different scheme. So the it was the perfect opportunity for tight ends a couple years ago. Uh, now we're kind of just seeing some more options here. So good player, like great find by Baltimore. I like Isaiah Likely. I just think that it's it's not the same tight end landscape in fantasy now. And something to watch for, we outlined this in a scheme episode with Colt McCoy, is Patrick Ricard is the one that dictates the defensive personnel. So when he's in there, teams basically treat him as a sixth offensive lineman and they're in base defense. So you're going to see Likely and Patrick Ricard in there at the exact same time. Yeah. Um, I know they also have Kolar, and so it'll be interesting to see if they have him mm-hmm. or Likely or if it's Likely and a similar snap count versus what we've seen yeah. with Mark Andrews. Patrick Ricard's got to be putting up numbers on Thanksgiving. That's a beefy <laughs> dude. My walks in 300, walks out 310. That's okay. Right. Buffalo Bills. Now with a few days to review the Joe Brady era of this offense, do you have any new thoughts? Like to me, it just hit that the tight and tight window throws hit, if that makes sense. You yeah. know, like <laughs> the, the, out breaking route that they hit to Cleo Shakur with Sauce Gardner on him. That one was throwing the needle and he hit it. And then the one with Cleo Shakur worked down the seam. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with other quarterbacks that didn't have as strong right. of an arm, Sauce Gardner would get a hand in and knock it down. That threaded needle hit as well. Mm-hmm. And again, a big gain on top of it with a nice Don Kincaid block at the end. Also, like that Joe Brady didn't call the the yards after the catch fumble plays. Those, that was a good play calling design by him as well. Yeah, I think it's just. Josh Allen played well, got Khalil Shakur going a little bit more. Um, Gabe Davis hasn't been heard from for a little bit. He's still out there, but maybe we have Khalil taking a second year leap uh, this time around. But yeah, I, I'm not sure if I noticed much of a, a difference here. Josh Allen was already playing well, had a couple yes. bad interceptions. And then this week he took advantage of a Jets defense that's good, but this close to having a full-blown meltdown. And we saw it at times last week, but I thought, yeah, it was that Khalil Shakur pass was out of control. The Josh Allen pass was, it was nuts. Can you show the running back rotation? Because we got a new one. Um, I don't know if this was a Joe Brady factor or if it was a true revenge game for Ty Johnson. So they wanted to get him involved, but you know, they like wave their hand of, Hey, we have Leonard Fournette in the practice squad. And then it made everyone forget that Ty Johnson was still on this roster because he was legit mixing in. We obviously got a ton of James Cook until the game was totally uh, a W, mm-hmm. and that's when we got Latavius and Ty Johnson quite a bit. I mean, they, they might lean a bit more into James Cook. Um, we even got some, you know, around 12-yard line, 10-yard line, 5-yard line stuff as well. Mm-hmm. But obviously it wasn't a, a carry for a touchdown. It was a... Uh, really cool design of, Hey, we're going to motion him out the motion him back in C man coverage. And he's just faster than the guy. And we're going to mm-hmm. hit him on a uh, pattern just beyond the line of scrimmage. Completely agree with that. It was a three back rotation this time, which we have not seen from this offense since Damian Pierce or Damian Harris uh, left with that scary injury. Ty Johnson was playing before garbage time. It was weirdly, even with that James Cook highest expected points game of the season. But I do think that is just because he had that reception from the five yard line. Obviously, that's going to spike your uh, implied points. I do think it will still be Latavius Murray at the goal line more times than not. But James Cook did have a rock solid game. That game, like, I mean, everyone knew Zach Wilson was not going to compete on the other side. So I think that they were probably getting revenge game guys back in there just because that game was, let's be honest, completely over basically immediately. 
big change, uh, and the Bills really needed that one because coming up, it's the Eagles, it's the Chiefs, and it's the Cowboys in the next three weeks. So we talked about how to open the season, James Cook and his running back usage was top 10 in the league. Then in recent weeks, it was like bottom five in the league once again. And then now against these really heavy-hitting opponents, and arguably some can score points and some can't, but we'll see how much, again, which side of that equation the running back usage falls into. Last month, running back 22 on running back 32 usage. That feels appropriate for him. Any Steph Diggs, weird month, nothing to worry about, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's fine. And I don't know what's with me. I think it was our buddy Brad Spielberger already tweeting out free agency lists on Twitter. I posted like which of these top eight wide receivers are going to be on new teams. And Gabe Davis is eighth on that list. You and I, I'm I'm not going to throw you under the bus here. I, in the Slack channel, uh, was theorizing what a post Josh Allen Gabriel Davis career might look like. And I don't really want to see it because I don't think it will go well. Better learn Canadian, Gabe. <laughs> no, let's not be that. I'm joking. No, I, I I agree, though, that I think that they'll probably move on. Okay, Carolina Panthers are up next. So can I actually talk about the running game here for a moment? I guess. <laughs> because this is another storyline that I actually think showed its head a little bit against the Dallas Cowboys. Last season, we know that this team moved to Sam Darnold after Matt Rule was fired. And they barely asked him to throw. You remember it was like those RPO looks to LaVisca Chenault on the outside. And other than that, they turned into like a smash mouth running team with Deontay Foreman. And there was a lot of success with that. So now when Frank Reich and company took over, they turned this running game away from power and smash mouth into a zone running team with an unathletic center, you know, and it totally flopped. This past week, they did get back to it a little bit. Mm -hmm. They were running duo inside zone, more stuff up the middle. And that's why you saw Miles Sanders look decent. This is why you saw Chuba Hubbard look decent. And maybe why this was basically a 50-50 split versus, you know, Chuba owning it like he previously did for the other three or four games. Yeah, when I went back and watched this game in entirely, there were a lot of chunk runs between them. And it was going kind of back and forth. I thought Miles Sanders played fair fair enough. But yeah, the, just the Panthers are still projected for so few points that it's totally. so hard to get excited about either of them. And like, I can see Miles Sanders playing a little bit more down the stretch. Uh, but she was looked all right as well. I think just the, the offensive line, this last game was, it was the worst I'd seen this offensive line play. Like that was, that was to me, a absolute rock bottom. There was, I mean, you can probably say at least half of the snaps, Bryce Young had no chance at all. Like for whatever reason, mostly the offensive line in this last game. Um, yeah. It's, it's been real tough right now. Uh, He's he's 83rd out of 87 in yards per drop back among rookie quarterbacks uh, in their first 10, 10 starts. So it's it's tough sledding right now, but uh, there's a lot of fingers to be pointed at. Yeah. I mean, again, uh, one, is he regressing? Yes. But then you can also point to is the offensive line yeah. giving up 23 sacks plus hits plus hurries terrible. in week 11 on 31 dropbacks? Yeah. It was so bad. Um, that's the eighth time in 10 games a season, Hayden, that they've allowed 16 plus sacks, hits, hurries, 190 total this year. I think it's only it's only the New York Giants that have worse this season. That, that, um, that makes sense to me. And then that's not even talking about the coaching and then that's not talking about the pass catchers on top of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's like this. This endless cycle. Yeah. With all that said, if they're going to win another game this season, it might be this one against the Tennessee Titans. But we'll talk about that on Friday, I'm sure, in uh question answer feeling wide receiver 12 in usage this month the scamming is getting there enough 
And now you get the Titans secondary on top of it. Okay, Chicago Bears. By now you've heard Justin Fields, 18 carries coming off a thumb injury. Uh, that shows zero fear in putting your quarterback in a position uh, off injury. I mean, there was a quarterback sweep on the second play of the game. And then shortly after that, Luke Getze had this cool play call where they faked the quarterback sweep with everything and all the offensive linemen moving that direction. And it was him on a naked boot against Aiden Hutchinson. They hit a pass down the field on top of it. Again, I talked about it on the instant reaction show. To me, this was probably the best that we have seen Justin Fields from like, a, I'm going to move in the pocket, then reset and hit down the field. Yeah, There were times where maybe he missed some second window throws. But what I love that he was just decisive in it because when you have that level of athleticism, that's also decisive that can make up for maybe a misread here or there versus what we have previously seen of, Oh, now I'm going to spin and try to buy way too much time in the pocket. And then awful things happen. I thought the designs were good enough because they got the quarterback designed runs going. And then so many of their passing concepts were downfield, which was refreshing because that's where Justin Fields, uh, even if he's going to miss some throws, at least you're given the opportunity to make up for it with explosive plays, which obviously we saw a couple of them. Um, it's everything's still just, it's like barely off. There's a couple, a couple of inaccurate plays. I did see a couple of those turndowns where you just didn't see the field. There's still a couple uh, question marks on the offensive line. Their ground game is still very hit and miss, uh, except when Justin Fields is running it himself. So this was like, I think, an overall promising performance, but also you can see why the Bears are still the Bears and why they're going to have to be making this decision. Justin Fields, who I do think is a starting level quarterback in the league, and somebody else will be trading for him, probably for like, I would say more draft capital than people expect, almost maybe like a second round pick, because um, he still is on his rookie deal even going into next year. But he is playing for the Bears starting quarterback job moving forward, uh, just because Caleb or Drake May is probably going to be around. So I thought overall promising, especially for fantasy purposes. For fantasy purposes, he's he's in a perfect spot right now. Um, but you can just feel how the Bears, it was a close game, but you can feel why they lost. Just the details are not there. Yeah, again, it was just that decisiveness that stood out to me because where he's gotten in the worst situations was the indecisive moments. Like, right. again, letting bad plays turn into awful plays, whether it be sacks or fumbles or interceptions or all that stuff. So, yeah, a step in the right direction and coming off an injury, multi-week injury, I think that's progress. Okay, Cleveland Browns. 15 targets for David and Joku. Uh, I'll find the passing chart here for DTR. Everything was a five-yard line across, and yeah. it makes sense when David Njoku has 15 targets off of that. It was five-yard curls, five-yard outs, blocks and releases, block and delayed screens. So basically, yay, volume. But what are five-yard targets worth? At tight end, they matter more than wide receivers, but you're going to have to get yards at the catch off of those, and that can be a bit difficult when the defense knows it's coming. I don't think it's in a very effective play. I love David Njoku, but when everyone sees it coming, I agree. It's not going to really move the needle. But this last month, tight end eight on tight end three usage for David oh. Njoku. So I've noticed the screens being a focal point of this offense. I don't think that's going away with DTR. If it does turn into Joe Flacco, what has Joe Flacco done in the last couple of seasons better than anybody on the history of this planet? Check it's down. throw the check down. So I think David Njoku is in a, in a sneaky spot. He's going to be the guy that's going to be able to, I think, survive the bad quarterback play just because his volume is very good, a big opportunity for him to catch some dump-offs. 
and it just takes less for him to stay fantasy relevant. Uh, I forgot on Sunday night to bring up the Elijah Moore <laughs> route tree too. I mean, it's, it's, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Uh, we do need to talk about this backfield just a little bit. I still don't have an answer to this, but if you can yeah. bring up the splits and your visual, because I don't know if I've seen a more binary look at a backfield in this game that really shows it was Jerome Ford's first half, then Kareem Hunt's second half. And the only part that I can kind of figure out is, hey, we play Jerome Ford until we get around that 75 to 65% lead. And then we get, they have no Kareem idea Hunt. what a 75% lead. And is. well, Stefanski might, uh, and, and then Kareem hunts carries and stuff is more efficient. Or is it Hayden? What we go back to with comes to fancy when Jerome Ford was coming off that injury of, Hey, we wanted to save him for the fourth quarter. And this is almost the inverse of that where Jerome Ford, because that was a planned, right. you know, display and, and output. This is going to be Jerome Ford's first half, and this is going to be Kareem Hunt's second half. I wonder if there's like a hot hand approach, and then all of a sudden the hot hand becomes a little colder, and then they go to Kareem Hunt, or if it's like, oh, well, Jerome, Jerome Ford's not – we don't think that he's, he wants to handle the ball 30 times this game. We already gave him 12 opportunities. Maybe it's time to give Kareem Hunt the, the gig. I think it'll be Jerome Ford as the 1A. Kareem Hunt will still goal line to Vulture, and this will be a team projected for 16 points, and he's a flex play, you know? And he's capable of ripping off a big play, but the O-line injuries and the quarterback play, that field is going to feel really condensed uh, based off that that DTR passing chart as well. So I would say, like, I'm not going to read into this that much unless there's I just like thought it was a fascinating visual because I, it really was like every, one guy gets almost the entire first half, one guy gets almost the entire second half, and we never see that. But it wasn't a benching because – no. Jerome was still mixing in enough, but he was no longer the focal point. Uh, yeah. Totally. I don't know. It's going to be a, a long show. We're yeah. only at the D's and well, uh, an hour in. There's a lot of people probably driving right now. Uh, to Me to tomorrow. Family. I'm driving 10 hours tomorrow. Yeah. Shout out to all the girlfriends, the wife, the children that are listening because dad wanted to put on his podcast in the car. We, yeah. we see you guys. Yeah. Rebecca and Lucy, shout out to you. Okay. Denver Broncos. We talked about it last week. How Sean Payton is dialing back the clock a little bit here for Russell Wilson. Like, hey, go make a play mm -hmm. in a way. And he's doing it. 35 passing attempts was actually the most that he's had in a single game since week three. And I'll be honest here, Hayden, when they were one and five, hand up. I said some stuff of mm -hmm. like this Russell Wilson experiment is going to fail. Jarrett Siddham will probably start a game at some mm -hmm. point this season. It was trending in that direction. But obviously they've won, what, four straight, yeah. five straight since then. And I think Sean Payton has changed his stylings to a little bit of what Russell Wilson is doing. And Russ lost some weight this offseason. You can see the magic that he has a bit more often now. And it's like they have certain players for certain situations. And obviously they're going to use the heck out of Javante Williams and Jaleel McLaughlin. I completely agree with all of that. Uh, last week we did see the Broncos play into the matchups. We talked about just facing that Vikings defense that teams typically pass the ball more. And then all of a sudden this usual run first offense was third highest in neutral pass rate. So when we talk about the matchups and neutral pass rate, I know this probably sounds annoying, but there's a reason why we always talk about the matchups in that term. And that's how Cortland Sutton once again pops off. I can't believe he's scoring as many touchdowns, but honestly, all of them look really good. Like I think it's just fair to say that Cortland Sutton's like returned to be uh, another good player again. So 
Uh, shout out to him. I do think in a perfect scenario, they do want to run the ball with Javante, though. Final point. Shout out to this defense. They have really carried them over the last four games, too. And they're making enough plays in offense to win it. Because, like, the defense, I don't know if they've allowed the opposition to score more than, like, 21 or 22 points mm-hmm. in that span of time. And they played some good teams Yeah, in that section of the calendar, too. Okay, Houston Texans. I mean, fun football team to watch every single week. And it's every level of it. You can start at the coaching. You can then start to the quarterback play. You can then go to the third round, 69th overall pick in Tank Dell, who is terrifying cornerbacks out there despite being listed at 165 pounds. The cushion that they give and then how he's still making them, you know, retreat. And then breaking off his route in three steps and then working back to the quarterback. I mean, what Tank Dell is doing right now. And then the timing that he has with CJ Stroud on top of it. This yeah. is why every single pass feels like it's 12 yards on the field with three yards of separation. It's the offense. It's like the Shanahan offense, but you seeing all the concepts like deeper downfield, lots of play action, but it's just throws way down the field. And honestly, CJ Stroud's putting it on the money, is always taking the deeper opportunity. And Tank Dell is awesome, man. It, it doesn't even look real because he is that small. He looks way smaller than like the Tyler Lockett types, but his movement skills are awesome. But I think the big difference with him is when he's winning on the outside, he's not afraid to work over the middle and potentially take a big shot. A lot of these smaller receivers are not willing to do that, but his speed is obviously the number one trait and CJ Stroud's aggressiveness. This is a combo that is not going away. This is not small sample size BS. This is Tank Dell just being extremely good and a perfect scheme fit with CJ Stroud. So right now, over the last month of the season, Tank Dell is the wide receiver five on wide receiver four usage. And that's because the air yards are consistently there. And these are not prayer yards. These guys have a connection. I'm with you. That is real. And this is going to be a nightmare for the entire AFC South for years to come. I think that Tank Dell like, might be like a third round pick uh, next season. I think that all of this stuff is extremely legit. The only thing that's staying in their way is if Bobby Sloak earns a head coaching job immediately off of his first season because of the offense that he has Mm -hmm. built right now. Um, It feels like they're running these concepts five to seven yards further than anyone else is running these same concepts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, and I put it on Twitter every single, because I I enjoy going back every single Monday morning and watching this offense, how it's third and 12 and every other team out there, other than the Shanahan's uh, and that tree, want mm-hmm. to then spread it out with five wide and hope our five blockers beat your four. And then we give mm-hmm. our quarterback 3.2 seconds to throw these downfield routes. No, what Slowick is doing is I'm going to have seven blockers to your four pass rushers and give my quarterback who has perfect timing and perfect precision and then wide receivers to trust them to get open. And then when they do boom, the ball mm-hmm. is on them. So it's not like, I mean, I just love these, two and three man routes that he's doing to create chunk plays versus what I think everyone else is, is trying to think of it the opposite way. I do not want to forget about Nico Collins. Nico Collins made a hell of a catch over the middle of the field. That interception that CJ Stroud, the first one was an intended target to Nico. Collins. He didn't do anything wrong, but there was a touchdown opportunity for Nico Collins. He's still top 24 in usage. We've seen massive games from uh, Nico Collins previously. So I think both of these guys are, at least top 24 options uh, for the next uh, couple weeks here until we see what Noah Brown does back in this. But I mean, this is rookie, this is rookie contracts right now. The offensive line filled with rookie contracts, Stroud, Tank Dell, Nico Collins. I mean, this is how you have a foundation uh, to make a huge difference moving forward. 
Yeah, and then even veterans like Laramie Tunzel, who's one of the best left tackles in the league under mm-hmm. a long-term contract. Yep, he's not going know? anywhere. Um, Devin Singletary, owning the backfield right now, two good performances in a row. Uh, it does seem like Damian Pierce will come back, so we'll see what they give away, if anything, yeah. to uh, to Damian Pierce. So just something to monitor as we go yeah. along. Indianapolis Colts, they're coming out of there by Hayden. They also cut Darius Shaquille Leonard. Um what do you want to see from them? Um, I would like to see Anthony Richardson, but uh, it doesn't sound like we're going to get him back. Uh, so in the meantime, we'll see if how healthy Josh Downs is. He, I think, is a real player like Tank Dell. Like, don't pigeon hit, pigeonhole him into the wrong usage. That is a real player coming after the post by rookie bump as well. Uh, we've seen Jonathan Taylor completely separate from Zach Moss. I think that's a, a good coaching staff. So as long as Gardner Minshew can hold up and play at like the quarterback 30 overall, uh, level we can have downs jonathan taylor and be and michael Pittman be all very fantasy relevant but i do think post by rookie bump josh downs i think is a very real player he's not just your typical wandale robinson slot player win downfield double moves uh broken play opportunities he's got all that i mean there have been a lot of quarterback injuries throughout the league and obviously the colts were just after the jets and having theirs happen this season especially in the afc right they're five and five right now you know they have the Bucks, the Titans, the Bengals, the Steelers, the Falcons, the Raiders. Mm-hmm. If they win four of those, you're going to see the, the Indianapolis Colts in the playoffs. And like mm-hmm. among teams right now, I would rather see them than some of these other contenders at five and five, six and five, all that type of stuff too. It's also getting min- get, having a quality backup, especially if you're a young team. You're going to actually evaluate this offense, you know, and like there's a lot of players to evaluate. Like Michael Pittman's a free agent. You got to see if he's worth signing to a long term deal. Josh Downs, you want to see what he has. So good thing that I had Minshew and not like one of these absolute garbage backup quarterbacks. So you can actually like sit here and like evaluate this team. Michael Pittman was one of those eight players in uh, heading into free agency. I would say of that list, Hayden, and I'll find it right now, uh, of that top eight, I actually think that. Michael Pittman leaving to another team would be the most shocking of them all. Uh, and because a disaster. Of, right, yeah. I mean, I, basically what I'm saying is it, it would be a the surprise of all surprises among these top eight if mm-hmm. Michael Pittman leaves compared to the rest. Yeah, he just he's the only guy on the team that can do what he does. Um, and final point, on Sunday morning show, we had some questions of like, should I uh, drop Zach Moss for this guy? Should I keep Zach Moss? Blah, blah, blah. Um, I think they're done, but we'll see. Because uh, obviously, He's high, he still has a like huge ceiling if Jonathan Taylor misses, but he right. he has to completely miss. Right. Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, yeah. <laughs> what is there to say? I mean, look. I think Jacoby Myers is one of those players that now you have to reset versus what it was the first five or six weeks of the season. It's as over. we talked about on Sunday night. It's Devontae Adams, and it's just a lot of Josh Jacobs. Uh, the Raiders are five and six at this point, too. This one's super straightforward. Yeah, Jacoby Myers dropped a wide receiver 87 in usage this month. So I think he's basically droppable. Michael Mayer, I don't think is, it's going to be hard for him to ascend. I think we're just like hoping he puts on some good tape um, to see what he can do going into next year. But yeah, it'll be Josh Jacobs if they can have leads. And then if they're trailing, Devontae Adams will get peppered with targets he had, what, like 14 targets his last game. It was 13 in a win. So, Devontae Adams, it will be struggle city to get there. But I still think he's an upside wide receiver, too, kind of depending 
on the matchup because he's like so very clearly Aiden O'Connell's guy. And hate to keep stressing this point, but where the AFC is at this point, one of these teams, they're at five and six, are going to make it. And Antonio Pierce is fighting for his job. Well, there's going to be two of those teams. It's like the Texans, the Bengals, the Browns, the Colts, and the Raiders are like all in contention for two spots. I believe. Chargers, please go on a run. We can't. We, we <laughs> they're way more watchable. We can't have the Raiders in the playoffs. This is a society. Well, let's talk about those Los Angeles Chargers. What do you want to say about them? I mean, I didn't even go back and listen to that Brand City press conferences. I just saw yeah. tweets and blips of it. Yeah. Um, it doesn't seem like that is an organization that will fire someone in season. No. But we get to the point postseason that it seems like that is already dissolved. The question is, if Kellen Moore has done enough offensively, he was already getting some head coaching jobs, interviews, actually be interviews prior to the season. Uh, could they just promote him from within? Yeah, they should. I think that this, the scheme, the system, all that to me is sound. Justin Herbert's throwing the ball downfield. This is just a product of too many injuries. Like, what's new? You have Bosa now sideline. You're starting center, one of the best in the league. He hasn't been playing this season. Mike Williams, no Josh Palmer, no Jalen Guyton, no uh, Gerald Everett, and Quentin Johnson can't make a play either. So I think, yeah, this is a very bad situation for the Chargers, but I do think that Keenan Allen is going to continue to dominate. Um, I think like the biggest thing is just kind of where are we at with Austin Eckler because this run was really bad. So I, I'm assuming that this is just lingering high ankle, but I would say every other running back in the league basically scores a touchdown on that one, and he didn't get it done. So Eckler this last month, he's been the running back five on running back four usage. It's not time to fully panic this year because the touchdown opportunities when he's not fumbling and the receptions are going to be there, but the explosiveness, like Keenan Allen's our most explosive player right now. He's like 30, yeah. and he was never explosive. I hear the injuries. I also think it's a common theme with Brandon Staley uh, and his defense, just in general. Yeah, system. the defense is decisions. Yeah, that's, yeah, 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 that's a whole. I just think Kellen Moore is doing everything he can. Same thing with Justin Herbert. Totally. And this, the fact that this is like a, a league average or slightly above offense yep. is a credit to those two because the rest of this, it's a, it's a total disaster. Los Angeles Rams. We are getting a legit top three running back in points per game back this week. And there's been very little mentions of it throughout fantasy football Twitter at this point. Mm -hmm. um, and speaking of, the Rams just flat out cut <laughs> Daryl Henderson. And it wasn't even like, hey, he's going to return to the practice squad. It was, no, you're just, we're done. Okay. Um, so it's Kyron Williams and then Royce Freeman as his backup now. But what we had seen from Kyron Williams was... Nothing explosive, nothing flashy, playing 90-something percent of the snaps, owning a bunch of passing game work, scoring some short yardage touchdowns in both the running game and the passing game. And so, Hayden, the question is, one, is the Rams offense as good then? Excuse me. Is the Rams offense now. good now as it was back then? Um, so is Kyron Williams going to come back and be a top seven running back for people? That's probably a little bit too aggressive. I'm not ruling it out, though, just because maybe Royce Freeman mixes in at the goal line a little bit more just because that's kind of what he's been doing to Daryl Henderson. But, yeah, I think the offense is more or less as good as it was. Cooper Cup wasn't playing then. He's might miss a week or two uh, right now. I think Matthew Stafford's been playing worse now than he was at the beginning part of the season. But, yeah, it was very clear that Kyron's their guy. Like, that's just who they want in this role. So I'll probably start – 
maybe I'll be a little bit conservative this week because he is coming straight off of injured reserve. Um, we don't want to run to the Devon Achan problem again, but I, th- I do think long term there is RB one upside. You can kind of you can see the vision if, as long as Matthew Stafford can stay healthy. Okay, let's talk about those wide receivers because it sounds like Adam Thiel. Excuse me, Adam Thiel. It sounds like Cooper Cup has a low ankle issue, maybe yeah. mid ankle. Hopefully not high ankle issue, as Danny, Danny Carter Hart, would put it. Yeah, Danny said bottom of the foot issue. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, he just had one reception for 11 yards, had a very, yeah. very near missed touchdown where he was twisting and turning down the field. Mm. Uh, in his absence, obviously, Puka Nakua goes seven targets, five receptions, 70 yards, and one touchdown. That was good for a top 12 scoring week in half-point PPR. Um, he didn't have his first catch until 29 minutes into the game. Uh, And that was kind of notable to me in comparison, again, to the 10 receptions, 15 receptions that we got to open the season. I think that's matchup driven. It was not a good matchup for him uh, individually, but I still thought he made a couple of great plays in this one as well. His confidence about where he needs to be on the field, like compared to like when we were talking about like the Chiefs guys, it's like so night and day. And I think the longer that I do this and study the tape and stuff, I think wide receiver, just like knowledge, like football IQ, like on the field for wide receivers matters way more to me now than I guess I would have thought if I was like doing this just like as a casual. So Puka's got that. So I, I think that Puka is going to be a wide receiver one if Cooper Cup's not out there. And I think even with Cooper Cup back in there, these guys are going to be battling for like upside wide receiver two play. But it's a lot of injuries for Cooper Cup in a row now. Okay. We did not produce a video for Tank Dell or Puka Nakua heading into last year's draft, right? We did a dozen, maybe more. We did a lot of them last year. How many wide receiver prospect videos do you think you and I are going to do this year? We, we're going to be doing a ton of them. Uh, <laughs> 25? 25 receivers? No. I think, tw- I think 20. Okay. 25 is a lot. I mean, we, we don't want to miss out on – being right on the next tank towel and puka nakua's you know what i mean like i'm not doing 25 unless we have a hundred thousand subs how about that <laughs> well, that's a threat we better have because then i won't get a vacation well i mean this tail looking in the, April. the 25th wide receiver is like a fringe combine guy uh, fair fair um i'm gonna I look mean, puka up was, puka and tank were like probably like number 12 and 14 in consensus rankings going into this well they were drafted as um puka was the 20th wide receiver drafted last year hayden okay um you were also getting married last uh off so we were we were a little bit busy we're focused on you know other other things we have no excuses this year i will say that so maybe we do 25 dontavian wicks was the 19th you know some dude named justin shorter was the 18th wide receiver (laughs) so anyways Every for every Justin, we're doing 10 Justin Shorter videos for every Puka Nakua video. And by the way, the Puka Nakua video I did in week two popped off like 150,000 subs. So I think it or uh views. So I think we can be late to the party, I guess. Hey, I mean, when for every Trey McBride video that we do, not Trey McBride, uh, who's the running back out of UAB? Oh, it's Wayne McBride, Dwayne McBride, Dwayne McBride videos that we do exactly going drafted, then cutting the preseason, all of it, anyways. Be on the lookout for those this draft. Season. Gosh. Miami Dolphins. As you said, Devon Achan hurt after his second touch of the game. Since then, Hayden, we also have Savan Ahmed, who is put on IR. Um, 
So now we are back to maybe just Raheem Mostert and then Jeff Wilson behind him. So once again, that probably opens the door a bit more and a bit easier for Jalen Waddle as wide receiver. I agree. Jeff Wilson was a healthy scratch this last game, so they don't think much of him. So it's a really good shot for Raheem Mostert to have one of those signature spike weeks. It's been a while uh, since we've had that. And even in this game, we got all the usage in the war uh, in the world was a fine play, but it's still the explosive play that we were used to early in the season just hasn't been there. I uh, didn't want to draw attention just because we talked about in the recap show this play. This is that Texas screen is what I'm, I guess we're calling it just because that center comes out of nowhere. Typically the running back runs this route a little bit deeper downfield. He runs this basically what five yards, in, yards the yeah. in the backfield. And that prevents this center from actually having that illegal man downfield. So that's a beautiful play design. So that's the Mike McDaniel kind of wrinkle that we're used to. So yeah, obviously this, they're going to win by a million on Black Friday. Against the New York Jets. We'll talk about that game more again on Friday. We'll do a live stream a, a couple hours ahead of it. Hopefully you all bring your questions. Uh, how many yards does Tyreek Hill have this season so far, Hayden? 1281. 1222. So yeah. even you want more from Tyreek Hill. <laughs> Not enough for me. <laughs> 11 weeks, 12 weeks yeah. into the season. Well, What's your confidence level? Okay, let's assume Devon Achan doesn't return this week. I think it's probably too soon. What should our confidence level be for the rest of the season? Like, are they going to like scale back his touches? Is the first week back where we have to rank him as the running back twenty four and move from go up from there? Like, if you're if you're Mike McDaniel, you're definitely making the playoffs at this point with all the other quarterback injuries. What are you doing with with Achan down the stretch? It's a fair question. Again, I actually feel like they took their time with bringing him back. I know it was basically it was the bad first luck. Time they could. I think it really was just bad luck coming back from it. Um, but again, they put him on IR despite him probably not needing to go on IR mm-hmm. the first time because it gave him that extra week. And so I don't know if they are like kind of what you're alluding to, being tentative with some of these injuries that they don't exactly need. And right now, because again, they have the Jets, the Commanders, the Titans, and the Jets over the next four weeks. Uh, I mean, what a schedule for this team. They do close out with the Cowboys, the Ravens, and the Bills. So, like, maybe if they're playing or something something gets tight towards that time. Yeah. And, but I don't expect them to miss, obviously, four weeks, you know? No. But yeah. um, in terms of taking it slow and just going with the pure volume that we're getting from Raheem Mostert, because like you said, it's not like they can just go over to Salvin Ahmed now. Mm-hmm. Like, they obviously don't love Jeff Wilson yeah. anymore. It would, it would just make sense to me if they kept a chance touches at 10 a game moving forward and then maybe go from there. Obviously, 10 touches for him means 280 yards. Uh, I've quickly learned. Minnesota Vikings. So we saw Alexander Madison in there. And as soon as we saw Alexander Madison, I was asking for more Ty Chandler. Uh, Ty Got Chandler it. did. We did get it. And he had some nice production, I will say. Ty Chandler also screwed up in pass protection, got his quarterback hit. Uh, it was either an interception or a fumble, and that's never a good look. Um, Vikings OC, Wes Phillips, was asked about. Uh, let me pull it up here. Ty Chandler, his quotes. I think he's shown that he's making plays, and we're going to continue to try to get him touches. What that exactly looks like going forward, we'll keep talking about. But we're going to try to get him some touches and make sure that he's part of it. Anybody that's going to go out and make plays for us. I mean, the juice is so different. Um, But 
I don't know if that would suggest that, oh, Ty Chandler now is this team's workhorse because it doesn't. He's always had the juice and nobody in the NFL draft wanted him. And there's been opportunities for him to get on the field and they've always been hesitant. So I think that quote kind of summed it up for me. Explosive. We'll get him touches. Can we trust him in pass pro and all that stuff and be our number one? We just can't get there yet. He has not earned that. So I'm expecting that this kind of usage where it goes back and forth will continue and the Vikings will need to hang in there because um, I think Dobbs going to run around a lot in garbage time. So not, not super stoked to be starting Ty Chandler or uh, Madison at this point. Okay. Question. Would you just simply rank Ty Chandler ahead of Alexander Madison because he is more explosive and he's basically scoring as many or more touchdowns than Alexander Madison? Um, we'll find out when I post my rankings. They'll be close. <laughs> okay. Uh, also got a tweet from Justin Jefferson, which kind of suggests what we have been suggesting for a while. Um, they are not saying that he is definitely coming back this week. And then they have their bye. So the window would still be open after the bye for him to return, despite him being at practice these last two. So I wouldn't be surprised if he does come back this week. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't come back this week. Schefter basically said he's not playing this week. There we so go. So we, we will see. I, I think that opens up the door for um, Jordan Addison. Just He needs to be the number one receiver. There's not enough volume for Hawkinson, Jefferson, and Addison in this offense. But if we can squeeze one more week, I do think that Addison's will be kind of like a wide receiver three flex. There is no more fun super flex quarterback in the league to have than Josh right. Brown. Like, I don't have to rely on him as just my pure starter. I have Lamar Jackson, another quarterback for that. But as my super flex quarterback, Josh Dobbs has been a fun roller coaster to watch because you're just hoping like, hey, at any point, this can be a rushing touchdown. At any point. Yep. yep. New England Patriots. Hey, they're also coming out of the bye. What do you want to see from them? I just Ramondre would be nice. Uh, honestly, I would like to see Mac Jones, not Bailey Zappi, because I think Mac Jones is just way better than Zappi. I mean, yeah, this team's got no chance. They they have like a 30% chance of getting that second overall pick. That's the franchise. Uh, this is I a mean, franchise altering game right here. It really is. Seth Walter of ESPN notes the Patriots win. They have a 9% chance of having a top two overall pick. If they lose, that goes up to 38%. The Giants on the opposite end of them in the Bill Belichick Bowl with a win, the 11% chance of the top two overall pick with a loss. 47%. So this is a real battle for the number two overall pick potentially, and maybe even number one, number three, wherever it is. Yeah. But obviously you want one of those top two spots. And just for the people that haven't studied the NFL draft yet, May, Caleb are going one, two. People will have different preferences. They're very different. How, how, how nice of you and bold of you to go May than Caleb when saying that. Well, I've just been reading other people. There's going to be different opinions. You want the Justin Herbert type, or do you want big Kyler Murray? Pick your poison there. And then number three, Marvin Harrison Jr., the wide receiver. So there's to me, there's a, the big difference is top two, then top three, and then I think we kind of get into everything else. But we're going to be doing, what, 25 wide receiver videos? I don't even know how many. 31 running backs? Dude, I mean, we might solve the NFL draft for you guys. <laughs> yeah. Okay, New Orleans Saints. Another team coming out of the bye, Hayden. Um, we did get from our buddy, Nick Underhill, that he expects Derek Carr to clear whatever injury he has and to start this yep. week. So hopefully you enjoyed your half of Jameis Winston football. 
Yep, it was glorious. Uh, we had one of the best passes I've ever seen. We had Olave popping off. And no three Michael of the Thomas. worst passes we've seen, too. Yeah. Yes, definitely. We're used to that, though. Michael Thomas goes on IR. He'll be out for the next four weeks. We learned that that does not mean that Rashid Shahid becomes an every-down player. That will be A.T. Perry, who's a certified giant. Um, and then we'll see what they, the Taysom Hill usage is coming out of the bye. So, lot to figure out. A.T. Perry, the 24th wide receiver drafted. Last wow, what, it would be great to know if A.T. Perry is good for this week, just in case you're in a 90-person league. I do think, and we should have, we did stress it last week. We did stress that point last week, and he was probably more available in your league last week than he obviously will be this week coming out of a bye. Um, but yeah, A.T. Perry is going to fill in for that physical contested catch type styling that Michael Thomas had. That's for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and man, I hope we get some of that Chris Olave magic that we were getting from Jameis Winston because uh, it certainly wasn't working when Derek Carr was in that game or previous games. No. No. New York Giants. Uh, we didn't have eyes on this game on Sunday every week just to peel back the curtain here. Me, Hayden, Daigle draft three games. So we get nine. There were 11, I believe, this past Sunday. So we didn't get two. Unfortunately, the Giants upsetting the commanders was one of them. And so, Hayden, going back, Saquon Barkley looked unreal. I mean, he was the most impressive skill player of the whole week. Like, there's no questions asked. I mean, this throw from Tommy DeVito, credit where it's due. But this catch, my goodness, as a running back doing that. And then, obviously, this wheel route for the touchdown. He had a couple of explosive runs on that as well. But it was just those two receptions. Those are, like, the two best receptions that I saw this entire week. So, shout out for Saquon. Just, like, I mean... Talk about a French face of the franchise without a long-term contract, how frustrating that must be. But he's putting his entire effort into a team that is obviously going nowhere, actually winning this game, possibly uh, made them not have Caleb Williams or Drake May. So uh, obviously Tommy DeVito, they got super lucky. They won with this turnover battle six to zero. That's not going to happen very much in this. So um, just, this is just like a shout out to Saquon for like yeah. the effort and the explosiveness, even coming after the ankles on this team, no offensive line, just like what an absolute dog. New York jets. Tim Boyle is the starting quarterback that we get in week 12. Again, they are facing the dolphins, Miami dolphins. Here's from our buddy, Chris Brown over at chart football. I mean, one of the godfathers of football Twitter here. Uh, quote, it's really unbelievable that Tim Boyle will be starting another NFL game. He has never had a single season in college or pro with more touchdowns and interceptions. One touchdown to 13 INTs at UConn. 11 touchdowns to 13 INTs in one year at Eastern Kentucky. And then three touchdowns to nine picks in the NFL. So what do you think the Jets are hoping to accomplish with Tim Boyle as a starting quarterback of this team? 4.5 yards per attempt in college is nuts. I mean, he had he had negative adjusted yards per attempt this last game. Like he's he's significantly worse than Zach Wilson. Don't like Zach Wilson as a player. Tim Boyle and Zach Wilson, it's like not even comparable in my opinion. So this will this will turn into Trevor Simeon before you know it. This is completely unserious uh by the entire organization. Could it be that Zach wasn't seeing the field at all and they just like are hoping someone sees an open Garrett Wilson on the field? Like uh, you we, go back and review the tape. That. Yeah. But I, to me, there were more elements in this past game where like right. crossing routes over the middle of the field, stuff along the sideline that 
rather than even let that play out, Zach Wilson was like, oh, where's Brees? Where's Brees? Where's Brees? Sure. Yeah. Uh, we've seen Zach Wilson throw the ball to Garrett Wilson. That's a, We've been giving him credit for doing that at least this year. I'm not trying to prop up Zach Wilson. like That's the last thing I'm trying to do. 4.5 yards per attempt in college is unserious. Well, this franchise this season has been unserious. Let's yeah. be honest. Like They built the ship for Aaron Rodgers, and that disappeared after five plays. And it must be frustrating for Jets fans out there. We are not two of them uh, because there are a lot of good players on this roster. Like we don't oh, need yeah. to name them all, but on defense, even like Quincy Williams stepping up out of nowhere and playing an elite level, the offensive line is definitely a mess and has like a ton of injuries to it, but they wasted all of those good players and like their window to win with those pieces, especially when you consider the rest of the AFC landscape and how it has changed based on the quarterback injuries on top of it. So again, you wasted an opportunity by not being more aggressive either in the draft and preseason or even after the injury. And that's a shame. And if you lose your job because you wanted to stick by Zach Wilson, and that's probably more of a Joe Douglas conversation. It is a Robert Sala conversation. Then it's warranted in this case, even when your starting quarterback, you again, built the ship around is missing. Sala did more or less throw Douglas under the bus with that uh, press conference quote saying like, oh, I've already made my I've already expressed my uh, thoughts on the draft pick previously. So we'll see. It's, it's a dysfunctional franchise. They've hit on a bunch of superstar picks and they're still dysfunctional. It's just the Jets. Pittsburgh Steelers. So Jalen Warren had more rushing yards after contact than any other running back had in total. Wow. In week 11. Um we talked about it, like despite this passing offense not working and we can bring up that now Matt Canada has been fired. Um, this offensive line from a run blocking standpoint had really improved over the last three to four weeks in terms of just moving the point of attack, creating yards for both Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. But what we'll always go back to, despite Najee being a bit more explosive this year than he has been in the past, Jalen Warren is just way more explosive than he is point blank period. And uh, Jalen Warren, it'd be really fun if he was on, on the Austin Eckler career path. That's what I was going to say. He, I mean, it's not just the size and stuff. He, he really does remind me a ton of Austin Eckler. So yeah, without Matt Canada, we'll see if they decide to throw the ball over the middle of the field at all. I think that this was just a good um, experiment to see what Kenny Pickett does. Uh, without Matt Canada, he's got yeah. what six or seven games, and I think that's basically what this came down to. And uh, the Najee Harris, he's he's an awesome guy. Uh, he was kind of after the last game, like being like enough already. So I think that they were basically losing the locker room, and Mike Tomlin's not going to let that happen. So I think it'll be an interesting experiment just to see like what does Deontay George Pickens and Kenny Pickett look like, but in the meantime, Jalen Warren's like I mean he's a he's a real deal NFL player. It still has been a committee, you know, and that just makes it a little bit harder for Jalen Warren to like fully be trusted. Um, but he he deserves a ton of work. Speaking of our draft profiles, our first year of doing this on this channel uh, on Kenny Pickett, when maybe because of the pigment of his skin and yes. who people might attribute that to, they thought he was like this pocket processor yeah. where you and I rightfully pointed out that in fact, that was probably the weakest area of his game, and he loved throwing on the move and thriving a little bit on the chaos aspect yep. of it all. As Mark Caboli points out, 
I think issue number one with Kenny Pickett is that he's bailing too soon from the pocket. Step up, yeah. ignore the noise around him, and deliver. Our buddy Ted Nguyen over at The Athletic, unfortunately, this has always been an issue with him since college. It would be a tough habit to unlearn. And Hayden, I think you can throw the middle of the field stuff on top of that. It's definitely some Matt Canada, too. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think Kenny Pickett reads the middle of the field that well. No, I, I completely agree with, with all of that. Um, the Steelers-specific film bros say that the details in the screen game, in the ground game on who's blocking and stuff, they said it's like a total embarrassment. I, I don't watch them in detail enough to know that, but I'll take their word for it. So hopefully the screen game gets ironed out all of those little details just i mean this is it's been a speaking of waste waste of a, a really good defense for the last couple of years and the waste of quite frankly mike tomlin's brilliance yeah tampa bay buccaneers another seven targets for rashad white just a quick detail on that three of them were design plays receptions mm-hmm. to rashad white which we didn't see a ton of again in that first opening five weeks of the season and then four were checkdowns that's all i have for the bucks here I don't have a whole lot. I haven't, I haven't watched this uh, this game. I just kept remember watching this on Sunday, just like through red zone or whatever. Like they were Baker Mayfield was always giving them chances, and they were always just this close from from pulling it off. Uh, I'll have Mike Evans, wide receiver eleven on wide receiver eight usage this month, and like you said, Rashad White running back four on running back six usage. So it's just them, and then Chris Godwin's just kind of fluttering around. They've lost a lot of games. Um, they have lost six of their last eight games. Yikes. Um, they have the Colts and the Panthers, though, and the Falcons and the Packers coming up. So the <laughs> NFC division. South is right there for someone to Special. grab. That is for sure. Okay, let's close out the Tennessee Titans. What'd you think of Will Levis and what his third start of his career? Is that right? Yeah. Um, it's this is the same college profile to me, you know, like he gives his guys a chance to win, but there's a lot of like ugly turnover worthy throws. A lot of his production was on this flea flicker, which is cool because it was an absolute laser beam. Perfect pass to DeAndre Hopkins. Give him credit there. Same thing with this one. Play action, deep shot, 50, 50 ball. They come down with it. The consistency is just not there. A lot of underneath little targets. Uh, they got DeAndre Hopkins, a couple screens, which was nice to see for his, uh, consistency in this offense, but I think that Will Levis, um, he reminds me of his college profile where he's going to throw some interceptable passes and then make up for it with some deep passes downfield. Yeah. The offensive line is not great there, obviously. I think they had 11 sacks plus hits plus pressures on just 17 dropbacks here. The difference is I thought at times in comparison like Bryce Young, for example, uh, Will Levis was holding on to the football longer than Bryce had. Those were like instant, instant. Yes. And Levis's were kind of like on second phases. Not surprising. No, no, not surprising. And then to your point, when things don't go in rhythm, he does tend to lose his brain a little bit and like fire it into contested situations or yeah. sail it or force it because he trusts his arm so much. Again, not an indictment on the rest of his career because this is three or four games into it. And we've seen some wow plays on top of mm-hmm. it. It's a tough situation to overcome at this moment. Um, but the whole thing is to earn the starting job for next year. And so that is what the rest of the season here is for the Tennessee Titans. I think some will point out that he they remind him like of early Josh Allen. Josh Allen had like no experience, Wyoming, all that. Will Levis was like supposed State, to be a guy. Kentucky. For a while, a while. And, and nobody's able to get out of them. 
and their athleticism is vastly different to me where the running. Yeah. Yes. Like I think Will Levis can be a battering ram in a straight line, but Josh Allen is, is so That's much right. of a more fluid athlete in I terms agree. of his improvisational style. Um, still, you know, four receptions, 59 yards and a touchdown for DeAndre Hopkins on top of that. Okay. That does it. Hour and 46, Hayden. Look at us. We'll be back on Friday. We haven't even set a time. I'm going to guess it's going to be around noon to 1230 to 1 Eastern. And we'll go as long as you guys basically ask questions. Yep. The questions will be there. We'll preview the Sunday slate of games and the the Friday game as well. But uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there and drive safe. Be smart. Again, we'll have Friday's Q&A plus Sunday morning's Q&A on top of it. We'll do both. So Friday, you can ask whatever you want. And then Sunday, we'll get into uh, even more start-set questions. So you can attend both if you want to. I'm we're, To me, this is a little bit of a test of how much live content people want. Oh. Thinking about next year's schedule. So if you want more live content from us, we'll, we'll be checking the numbers. Look at Hayden. He doesn't think we do enough work. Well, we'll see. <laughs> you want to do 25 freaking videos on who knows Tyje Spears or by that point I would have already been on my vacation all of it you know yeah you want to go to 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 Mexico or whatever but when are you going to be doing these NFL videos (laughs) good question because I am definitely going to take an Aston Villa trip this March or April and go see some exactly some football matches on the pitch okay (laughs) shout out to Weaves shout out to Hayden shout out to all of you up the Villa we'll talk to y'all soon